G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. As we do on a Thursday, love to touch base, catch up and uh, hear the thoughts of Charles Newington, the National Director of Family Voice Australia. Charles is back with us. Charles, a special welcome back to 2020. Thank you, Neil. Nice to be back. Charles, just to draw attention to some really significant things that are going on and some of the debate that's seemingly uh, important, dominating a lot of headlines. And it comes around these dreadful bushfires that we've been experiencing in New South Wales and in southeast Queensland, some dreadful uh, uh, circumstances in southeast Queensland, particularly on the Sunshine Coast, where so many homes have been lost, in the hinterland of the Gold Coast in southeast Queensland, so many homes lost, families affected. And the headlines and commentary... And uh, even parliamentarians are calling for all sorts of uh, climate emergency ideas about climate change and serious weather events and things like drought and things like these fires that we've been experiencing. You've been reflecting on these this week, and I know that listeners will be in listening in very carefully for Christian perspectives on these. Uh, it is a big issue climate change and how we think about that. What have you been contemplating this week? Oh, thank you, Neil. I was interested in an article uh, uh, called um, entitled uh, Burning in a Spring, Fi- Spring of Fire. It uh, was referring particularly to the firestorms on the Sunshine Coast, but uh, in it to Richard Thornton, the CEO of the Bushfire and Natural Hazards Cooperative Research Centre, was quoted. He'd spoken only last week uh, about their findings that globally fire seasons are starting earlier and generally lasting longer. Uh, We're not the only country that that experiences fire seasons. I think we'd all be aware of uh, particularly... um, California, the way in which the the the, um, the weather and the vegetation is particularly inflammable in California, and we see year after year these huge fires through there, and uh, so it's not dissimilar to the kind of situation that we experience. Charles, but, yep, keep going. You, I was going to say uh, climate change has become such a contentious issue. And there's no one really who denies that the climate is changing. The debate is around how much of a man-made, man-caused change to climate is causing various things to to happen in different parts of the world. And so we're talking globally here and not just, you know, about what happens in southeast Queensland or particular areas around Australia. But what are your reflections on the position we might take as Christians, thinking about some of these things, because there are so many more dimensions that seem not to get talk about, talked about, and and in fact, the sorts of uh, the sorts of reactions that people might have to changing issues within the climate. Uh, what are your thoughts on some of these things? I think that Christians must 
identify with the with the global human population and um, and take the issue seriously. Whatever's driving climate change, whether it's uh, you know human uh, interaction with the planet, and um, I'm not a, uh, an expert on this, but I think that uh, you know anybody who's been listening to the conversation and reading the science for for, for years would be willing to concede that things like the um, the way in which the, the reduction in the forests in the tropical forest zones, you know that. These are huge impacts uh, that man is having, and then the industrialisation um, of the of the planet. And then I think one of the things that's very often not costed is the fact that uh, that humanity is living in areas that they would normally have avoided. And I'm thinking particularly about the great plains of Bangladesh, where uh, as the population boomed, the poor had to live somewhere, and they moved on down to the delta areas uh, of the great rivers and those rivers historically flood and as a result of which um, you know thousands of people would be caught up in floods whereas before they wouldn't necessarily live there because they didn't need to but now as uh, the population has boomed these sorts of issues have happened and to some degree that's happening in in Australia ironically in that we we're getting shifts uh, population shifts as people move away from um, the, you know city centres to areas like for instance the uh, the, uh, the uh, the Sunshine Coast area and the vegetation there, when it's very dry, it is very, very vulnerable. And uh, the challenge that we see here is that people, they may be ideologically very climate uh, sensitive. They may have a great sense of conscience about it, but uh, that doesn't mean to say that they have got the practical skills to live in fragile uh, zones and environments. And we see that very much in in, uh, in California as well, that everybody wants to live in California because of because it's California. So they they move into areas, but um, these areas are very fragile when it comes to to, to weather and uh, and fire particularly. And and um, it, we need to learn all over again what it means to live in in a planet that is that is undergoing change. Um, and um, and so that's um, that I think is a Christian responsibility. It's a, it's a human responsibility that we learn how to do that, and that we don't. Um, we don't have a, a a big fight with people about whether how much of this is human caused and how much of it's not. The fact is, it's happening, and um, uh, and it's taking all of us to think it through and to work it through and to play positive roles. So I, I'm a big advocate for Christians being um, being the salt and light in society, uh, where where we get involved in making things better in our communities. And if there's a if there's an SES, um, which there will be in every community, that should be full of uh, Christians with a sense of so- social conscience, the care for humanity, uh, playing our role to make sure that, you know, that those emergency services are provided. That's sort of the basic thing that, that uh, a, a classical example of, of, of where we should be. Uh, there's a common sense factor there, and and uh, you're indicating that uh, Christians need to adopt a common sense factor. And the idea of, uh, you know, if you build homes where it floods, you must expect flooding. If you build homes where there are bushfires, you've got to expect bushfires. And the idea that uh, climate isn't the match that starts the bushfire, uh, but in some sense... Uh, there's something important I know that uh, is worth talking about here. While climate isn't the match that starts the fire, it can, in fact, create the conditions uh, yeah. for the fire. 
what are your thoughts on on just the the fact that you know uh, even on the Sunshine Coast uh, we know that the headlines will read that there's a couple of young people who've been charged with lighting uh, one of the dreadful fires there that's uh, caused so much damage on the Sunshine Coast. It's people who light fires. Uh, the climate didn't do that. Uh, somebody lit a match. What are your thoughts here? I, th- I think that there's a chance to all of society here to help younger people to understand what it's, you know, the responsibilities that they have towards society. And uh, individualism doesn't help that, does it? Because individualism, the, cu- the cultural dominant tone of our society is that um, everybody's in it for themselves. And, you know, if I look good on Facebook or on Instagram, that's all that matters. But actually, you know, younger people... Um, it's, they need to ha- they need to be helped to see that their sense of cri- climate crisis or anxiety um, it, it, it gets interpreted not just by protest but it gets interpreted by learning how to be part of the answer at a local level. And so I, I look, I, uh, my my teenage years seem to have, uh, uh, if it comes to teenage folly, it seem they seem to be very extended. I, I've been a, a young fool for a long time. So I, I know um, how, you know, sometimes people, young people just don't realise the consequences of their actions. And, um, you know, I think that they need a combination of um, of, of, of a stern, uh, you know, a stern realisation of what they've done. And at the same time, uh, they need to be used as an opportunity to train uh, younger people to live in an increasingly difficult environment. So I, I remember just, uh, I don't remember, the Great Flood of Brisbane recently, was it 2013? Uh, just like a few that. years back, yeah. Yeah, um, I, I was involved in that sort of, you know, the Mud Army type thing. And um, I was working down uh, toward Ipswich and um, thinking to myself, what urban planners permitted this? We were working in an area that was mainly a kind of an over 50s village area, and and this entire place had gone underwater because it was built on a floodplain. Mm. And it and 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 of the 50, 60 units there, there was one family that had been able to move back, and they were living in their gar- in their in their carport they, because their houses, you know, the houses were just completely inundated over the up to the roof, you know, and. Um, and I thought to myself, here's an, an example of how, once again, people of good faith and conscience need to be involved in town planning. They need to be involved in local government. They need to be involved in every level of society because those decisions matter. And, uh, and you know, so whether it's flood or fire or whatever else the issue is, people of good conscience and good faith must see that the mission does not begin when they climb on the plane and fly to Fiji or something. The mission begins um, when they wake up in the morning and they open their eyes and it starts in their own family and their own community. And and, um, we're God's people. We've got to be there for the good of all. Uh, A short while back, you mentioned the words climate anxiety, and that means a fear that comes upon people. Uh, maybe nations uh, about what is being generated in the headlines and uh, when you apply a Christian ethic to how you might respond to that sort of fear and uh, with our understanding uh, that God is in control uh, this idea of adapting I can hear that in your in your thoughts there about taking responsibility being a steward for the people and adapting to the changes it comes that's something I guess uh, as a response to fear we could say is a Christian position we're not fearful but we want to adapt to the situation 
Yes, we must determine to be part of the solution locally, you know, in our own neighbourhoods. But, uh, you know, the stories that come out of the, the fires here up on the Sunshine Coast have been stories of these courageous, heroic people, you know, in the, in the emergency services and in the police, you know, that, 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 that put their own lives at risk in order to rescue people, old people that could have been left in their, would have been left in their homes if, if brave people hadn't actually gone in there right through the firestorm and pulled them out. You know, those people, are, they are just so important to us because they model a sense of, um, of commitment to, to humanity, uh, and that they they're putting them, you know, it's just amazing, isn't it? It's, it's just, and I know that they will be honoured in due time, but that that is our DNA. Who who is it that put himself most at risk for humanity? Who is it that offered up his life in order to reconcile us all back to God and to put the the big thing right, the big thing that was wrong? He put it right. That's Jesus, you know, and that's the very spirit of our faith. And um, and I think that the culture, you know, there's. There's a description of the church that the church is is like a boat in the ocean. It's right for the church, for the boat to be in the ocean, but it's not right for the ocean to be in the boat. And so often the culture, our, our, our general society, just floods into the church before we know where we are. We're sitting in church for our own neck's sake. And that's not why we... Be, it might be because how, how we started off, you know, in our journey of faith. That was certainly how I started off. I was aware of my own risk, you know, the, the dangers to me. But coming to know Christ, I realized, oh, hang on a minute, this isn't just about me. This is about the whole human family and the purposes of God uh, for, for us all. So much to talk about on that issue of climate change, and uh, perhaps we can talk some more on another day. But let's uh, talk about another big issue that is happening right now. Of course, uh, this type, uh, the talk that's going on about euthanasia, uh, and, uh, of course, Western Australia and Queensland are looking into issues around euthanasia. And uh, you've been following this week uh, even what letters people have been writing to the editor in our national media. Uh, what are your thoughts on the time to talk about euthanasia? Yes, it really is time to talk about it because uh, I think, uh, you know, we do our own sort of polling and, uh, you know, up until recently, uh, euthanasia was off um, was off the, the agenda. People were interested in other things. But this is, uh, this is one of those things that, um, that, that is actually a major shift in the culture. You know, up until now, uh, the whole notion of the medical profession has been to preserve life and to do everything to protect life and preserve life. And the idea of the medical profession being an agent of assisting in the, the death of a person is actually, while it sounds like a, a, a very sensible and compassionate action, um, it's it's got unconsidered uh, un consequences. And these things are very difficult to evaluate because, um, you know, the illustration that I... That I, uh, uh, that comes to me, my mind is, um, you know, the illustration of uh, when um, a contraception was made available to people and, and the, the pill, you know, and how the pills, it seemed to be a really good thing at the time and it was really pitched as a really good thing. And, and I'm not saying that it's a bad thing, but um, one of the consequences was, um, you know, the, uh, that, that psychologically there was a shift in responsibility and uh, it, it 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 sort of reinforced the male attitude that uh, that conception was now the woman's responsibility, and that uh, he 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 didn't make a woman pregnant. She she made herself pregnant because she wasn't taking the pill, and um, and so now that put a pressure on her to deal with an unplanned 
pregnancy because that was her fault. It wasn't his. And um, I think that, uh, uh, you know, the consequence of that was that we had a spike in, in abortions that have never come down again. And uh, one would think that, that uh, the pill would have resulted in less uh, un uh, unplanned pregnancies, you know, rather than more. Um, but it doesn't necessarily work that way. And so here we have one of these... It, it's not just a medical uh, issue. It's not just uh, an act of compassion. It's also... A, a, a social change and and the social change needs to be handled very carefully because it, it can have un, unintended consequences it gives permission um, that it, you know in, in a primitive way people to conclude that well a government saying it's all right to kill yourself um, or you know the doctors are saying it's all right to kill yourself um, it's, it's an inaccurate conclusion it's not what they, what's intended but it's unfortunately it's the kind of thing that can possibly happen. So you can't introduce these things without, oh, without, oh, the wisdom of Solomon. This is this is just such a complicated issue. Well, so. you've got one side, of course, euthanasia, and the other side of the debate, of course, is issues of palliative care, how we care for people who may be in their latter stages of life. But palliative care oftentimes thought about as dealing with the care for that one individual. But Charles, palliative care has a broader reach because palliative care actually helps a family to be able to process what's yes. going on at the end of life. Uh, I wonder, yes, we're short of time, but uh, just a few thoughts on, on that really substantial dimension that often doesn't get talked about. Yes, well, true palliative care acknowledges the fact that the family, the community of loved ones around a person that's at an end of life, that, that they're all thrown into a, a sort of a season of uncertainty and anxiety. They, they, nobody knows quite what to do in a situation like that. They're not quite sure what the role of the medicos are and what their role as a family is and what the role of the person who's uh, passing the, uh, across the Jordan, these various roles, you know. So, so what true palliative care does, it recognises that and it helps not just the person dying but it helps the close family to 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 understand uh, the practical and the and the medical uh, situation and 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 also some of the wider considerations the emotional considerations and even the spiritual considerations and uh, and I, I'm a great advocate of it uh, because um, you know, I think all of us would like to uh, we all walk, walk this road and um, we would like to come to that time feeling a sense of um, of, uh, uh, of completeness, you know, of of not just a biological uh, end, but a, a sense of completeness to all those vital relationships. And um, and and so, the, the the as the birth of every individual is, so too the death of every individual. Individual. It's not just an individual's experience; it's a social experience. It's a family experience. It's fa it's it's an it's such a vital thing, and others have to be considered in this. Well, Charles Newington, always so appreciate your deeper insights into the issues that we talk about. I want to point people to the website of Family Voice Australia, familyvoice.org.au. That's familyvoice.org.au. You'll find resources, you'll find articles there. If you're looking for a Christian perspective on some of the big issues that our nation is facing today, Charles Newington, the National Director of Family Voice Australia, thanks so much for taking some time to share your thoughts with us once again today on 2020. Well, thank you, Neil. 
Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.